0: What a great day it is to be alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm so excited. So um it's gonna be a little bit different today. We're gonna to, we're gonna have some sort of like testimonies weaved into weaved into the message. Um because I had a message uh, prepared, I was ready, I was thinking, yeah, this is what I'm gonna preach on. And then I just felt that 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 nudge of God. You know when you um you leave somewhere like a restaurant or your home or your car and you've got that feeling you've left something behind. You know, you don't you? Sometimes you think, oh, I've left I've left something behind. It's that type of feeling that you get when you wanna when do things with the word of God that God doesn't want you to do. It's just an uneasiness. And I was like, Alright oh, then Lord, what what do you what do you want me to do then? And um yeah, I felt like he said that he wanted um he wanted some testimonies. So uh me and Carly had just been praying about well we said, Lord, well who who do you want to give Give testimony. So he showed us three people, um, and yeah. So I asked them, and they were they were up for it. Um, so I said to the Lord, why? Why is it that you want testimonies um, today? Why do you want testimonies today? So he uh, he just yeah. We went on a journey, um, and he told me why. So I'm just going to pray. Is that okay? Yeah. So Father, I just I delight in you. I really do. I delight in you, who you are, Father, and I thank you for the privilege and the honour. To be standing here to talk to your great people, to talk to those that you have invested in for decades, those that have have got great deep wells of your life within them, Lord, and you're still working in them, you're still healing, you're still setting free. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak the words of life, to speak your oracles, that your words, Lord God can become the words that I am speaking, that as I open my mouth and speak, Father, that you will wrap those words with your spirit and they will become life, Lord, to the hearers. Lord, I just bless your people. I bless everyone that will hear the message today, the testimonies today. We are not alone, Lord. You are with us. You are very close in Jesus' name. And I just want to exhort you. I just want to say to you, people of God, you really are not alone. God is with you. He's working things out. Those things that you think are impossible, they're not impossible. They're not impossible because with God, all things are possible. On our own, yeah, it's a bit iffy. <laughs> you're going to run into a few problems. With God, all things are possible. It doesn't matter how hopeless your situation is. It doesn't matter how far gone you are in your heart or in your mind. It doesn't matter even how wicked we can become because the Bible says our hearts are wicked when... When we really delve into what's in us sometimes, we find darkness and we find wickedness. But that's okay because we deal with a God, he loves darkness. People might think that's a weird statement. The Lord loves darkness. Because of darkness, he came. Because of darkness, the blood was shed. Because of darkness, we have freedom because a God looked on us and said, the darkness, the darkness will kill them, it will trap them for eternity in sin, in depravity. Eternity without God. Could you imagine, people, eternity without God? And God said, no, she's mine, he's mine. I'm sending my son, I'm sending the best. I'm sending my son, I'm sending him from glory. And I want to also remind you, people, I know next week is um, the Easter weekend, but God's been talking to me so much about the death of Jesus. And so many of us, we say, yeah, our, our Saviour's crucified. But our Savior's crucified, but he's risen, and that means in your death situations, in that which is dead in your life, there is a risen one. He's already risen. So you just allow the Son of God to rise over those circumstances. It doesn't matter how dead it looks. It doesn't matter. Something can be dead as a now. It doesn't matter. Because the resurrected God, he's in your life. He's in your life. And even when you are faithless, he is faithful. Even when you are faithless, he is faithful. So I just want to turn to one scripture before I invite um, the first person up to give their testimony. Romans 10 and verse 17. Many, many of us know this um, scripture very well. Have uh, you been saved um, for uh, an X amount of time? It's a very common scripture. And it says, so faith comes by... Hearing and hearing through the word of Christ or the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Most of us know that. But what the Lord was saying to me about this scripture is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But faith also comes by hearing what the word of God does. Do you understand? Faith comes by hearing. You hear the word of God and faith comes. It comes. It's like if I look outside and say, okay, here comes Samuel or here comes and they're coming through the door. You're just expecting of that. If I said, now, all of a sudden, here comes Frida, you're not going to think I'm lying. You're going to think, oh, Frida's going to walk through the door. That's how faith comes. It arrives. If you're hearing the word of God, faith will arrive at your door, whether you like it or not. But it's what you do with that faith. So when faith comes, by hearing... So the faith is something... It's a substance. It's something that comes from God. It's something that we can't see, but it's something that's supernatural and it's real. And it's having belief. It's just having trust in God. Just like you're sitting on that chair, I bet you hadn't even thought about it, that is that chair going to collapse? It's just a natural faith, that's a natural faith, that you sit down, you expect the chair to uh, not collapse. Supernatural faith comes from God, and it will come through the hearing of the word. Then when the word comes, the word will do something. The word has power within itself to bring itself to pass. The word of faith, when it is preached, when it is read, when it is sung, when it is received, it has power within itself for it to come to pass. So faith will come to you over your circumstance, and then you look at the circumstance, and if you keep looking at the circumstance, you keep looking at the circumstance, you keep looking at the circumstance, it stays the same. So faith comes... And a lot of us, this is what happens. Faith comes and we keep looking at the circumstance. That person's not saved. I'm still ill. I'm still sick. This marriage is horrific. Um, I cannot um, cope with these children. I cannot cope with my mental health. You keep looking, yeah? But when faith comes, faith is coming so you look to the one who can answer the prayer. It's not about you praying the prayer and answering it. It's about you praying and saying to God, I have faith in you. I don't have faith in this because that may never change right now. It may take a while, but you pray to a God and you say, I have faith in you, in what you say. You are not a liar. You tell the truth and you have told me A, B and C about this situation. So we're going to hear testimonies today so that faith can come to you. You're going to hear, not necessarily someone's going to come up here and give you scriptures and they're going to preach, this is, you know, turn to Romans, turn to um, Ephesians. They're going to come up and they're going to talk to you about their journey with the Lord not on their own, with the Lord, what the Lord has done, what faith has done in their lives. Faith has come to them, and then that faith that faithful life, if you're living it, if you're really living for God, your life will start changing. So that's what we're going to have um, testimonies about today, and then I'll just speak um, a little bit more. So i just invite Margaret. Yeah. Margaret. Miss Hollywood. She's been anointed, Miss Hollywood. So this is Margaret. Before Margaret gives her testimony, um, I'll just say a little. So, so Margaret has known me and I've known her since we, since we was about five, I think about five, a long, long time. And then when I got, when I got saved, I got powerfully saved, as in I, just was, I would just preach to a lamppost, uh, anyone, anyone who was around. So I went knocking at her door and it was October, actually, it was October the 2nd, 1989, was it? 99? Well, i got
1: to say 90.
0: So. Yeah, but I went knocking at her door on the 2nd of October 1989, the year before. And I knocked on her door and I said, Margaret, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. going on about Jesus? She was like, well, I need something and it's not Jesus. <laughs> yeah? It's not Jesus that I need. I said, Margaret, you do. You do need him. You need Jesus. And then, you know, within six months, she came knocking at my door and she said, OK, OK, I'm just gonna, just going to ask you everything that I need to ask you. So, I phoned Mitzi actually. I phoned Mitzi. I said, Oh, Margaret's coming round and she's going to ask me all these questions. Because, you know, when you're a new believer, you think, oh, I don't know all the answers. And then, anyway, she came and she grilled us for about like seven hours. She just <laughs> grilled us, yeah? And that was on a Saturday night. That was on a Saturday night. And then she got really powerfully born again. And then she came to church on Sunday and has never stopped. Amen. God Amen. set her free. Amen. So, there's a lot more to it, but I'm not going to say that. So, Margaret, I'll hand it over
1: to you. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, good morning. So, my name's Margaret. Um, when Pastor Kelly asked me to give a testimony, I prayed because I really wanted, as, as Kelly said, I've been saved 30 years, nearly 30 years. So there's a lot of testimonies that I could give, but the one that God really laid on my heart is quite personal. So I really want to, you know, just share it with you because I believe, A, not it's only timely, um, but I really believe that my testimony is going to help people here today. And that's the purpose of obviously sharing your testimony. Um, My parents came to this country in the 60s. Yeah, I know I only look 35. (laughs) And that, you don't laugh too long, yeah? Um, So my parents came in the 60s and they came from Ghana, West Africa. So that's always the biggest hurdle because people don't realise that I'm African. And when they came to this country, there was a lot of racism and one of the things that my parents really struggled with in the places where that they lived was to be able to keep me and my brother. So I've got a younger brother just by a year, so my parents put us in a home. So we were in, in and out of foster care for, from the ages of about two um, to about nine. So different foster homes. Now, the care system then isn't really like it is now. Um, you don't have as many safeguarding issues, uh, and you can really hand your child over to anybody and you don't necessarily know their background. Um, But the one thing that I do remember as a child growing up in these different homes is some of them loved me a lot more than others. Um, And I I can remember probably about four or five different homes. But the one thing that that did do, me spending time in homes is it gave me a sense of um, resilience, but it also gave me a sense of, I'll just look after myself. So as I went through life, everything that I ever did was very self-sufficient, but it always meant moving and moving on. So I uh, became an air hostess at the age of 20, and my life took me to lots of different places and different people. And that was indicative of my nature, Because I didn't ever want to settle in anything. I didn't want to settle in a country. I didn't want to settle in a relationship. But I definitely didn't just want to settle. So when I became saved, that was one of the uh, hardest things that the Lord had to deal with me, is about relying on him and having some sense of consistency. I never wanted to get married, and I never wanted to have children. And anybody that knows you will tell me, yeah? When I first got saved, they asked me to go into a nursery and look after people's children. I said, why would you want to do that? You don't understand. If you want your children to grow up believing in Jesus, don't let me look after them. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real and I'm just being very honest because I didn't want anything to do and I couldn't understand. And for me, obviously, the, the, where that seed was sown was as a result of my own childhood. Um, my relationship with my mum has always been uh yeah it's always been very challenging and I'm not gonna lie it still is very challenging um but the things and and I'll go on to share what God is really doing and what God has continued to do so getting married and having children I know that it's not a coincidence that I have daughters (laughs) yeah and four of them (laughs) yeah and I do think that's God's sense of humor because whilst I didn't know really how to be a mum, I didn't know how to be a mum, I didn't know how to... Sometimes my children would hug me and i think, mm, it's long, yeah? <laughs> they, will, they will tell you, yeah? You need to sort of stop hugging me now, time's up. But, and I will bring humour into it. And the reason being is because I'm just being honest with you and I'm just keeping it real. Um, and then on Mother's Day... And this really choked me up. Mitzi's daughter, Shekinah, stood up and spoke about her mum and how much she loved her mum. And I sat there and I wanted to cry because I just felt like I don't know what that feels like uh, from a daughter to a mum. But what God showed me, and I'm going to share some scriptures with you, is whilst you never had an example, I've made you that example with your girls. And I believe... And I believe that if any one of them stood up here, they will tell you that. And if they don't, it will be a problem. <laughs> but but um, So I just really want to share with you some scriptures that God laid on my heart. Um, so just bear with me. Um, so yeah, so when um, Shekinah shared that with her mum, every bit of my being just wanted to sob because she spoke from her heart and she, even though it was Mother's Day, she spoke about her parents and she said the unconditional love and I don't know what it's like not to feel really loved because my parents just naturally really love me and I sat at the front and I said, God, I've never experienced that with my mother but the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, Margaret, whilst you've never experienced it with your mother, I've enabled you to experience it with your girls and your example that you never knew, you've become the example that I want you to be. And then God laid on my heart, um, and I'll just share this with you. Um, um, The first one, and it's funny, because Kelly spoke about some scriptures, Ephesians and Romans. And the funny thing is, the word that God gave me was from those two books. So um, this is the Amplified Bible. So Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5 says, even as in his love, he chose us. So he said, Margaret, I picked you for myself as my own in Christ before the beginning of the world. So whilst you were fostered and you think your parents didn't want you, I chose you, yeah? Um, That you should be wholly consecrated and set apart for me and blameless in my sight, even above reproach before him in love. For God ordained me destined me planned his love for me to be adopted and that word in itself just made me break down as his own children through Christ Jesus in accordance with the purpose of his will because it pleased him and it was his intent and then the other one was Romans 8 verse 15 and these two words came up which I knew was really connecting for me and Romans 8 15 said for the spirit which I've now received is not a spirit of slavery to put me once more in bondage, to fear. But I have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, daughtership, in the bliss of which we cry, Abba Father. The spirit himself testifies with our own spirit, assuring us that I am a child of God. And those scriptures that God gave me really just said, Margaret, in your home life and wandering, I have adopted you as my own child. And it's And I just really wanted to encourage you that it's not necessarily how you start and you'll start... It's how you journey and where you end up. Um, And, yeah.
0: Thank you, darling. Thank you. Um, I just want to invite um, Tony up. Tony's going to give us a testimony. (laughs) Every church... On. Every church needs a Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, do they not? Every church yeah. needs, needs a Tony. So, yeah, we are going to just release Tony um, into giving his testimony. Yeah.
2: Amen. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> Morning, brothers and sisters. Um, my testimony started... Oh, before I was even saved, like i some people might know that I wasn't always uh, a well-behaved person. <laughs> I sold drugs, took drugs, fighting, loved it, loved the fighting, <laughs> um, and then got caught. So I um, went a court, pleaded guilty to it, and... With the amount of stuff I had, I should have gone to prison without a shadow of a doubt. At least five years. Got up in there and when the barrister started talking, it was her first case for working for the Crown and she was trying so hard to get me to go to prison. She thought it was top of the food chain and said he deserved at least five and a half years. I thought, <laughs> standing there and the judge said, Miss McManus, you ain't going to prison today. I thought, what a touch, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, um, so he said, like, I'm going to give you 20 months suspended sentence for a year. My barrister got up and said, it should only be 18 months. He went, okay, make it 18. And I'm thinking, this ain't normal. Like, this is just not normal. Like, I ain't that lucky. Right, so he said, I've got to give you something else as well, um, a fine. I thought, right. Oh, he went, does anyone know what it is? So the back of the call said £350. He went, OK, £350. And I'm think, really thinking, like, this is just not real. Because like, they, they want to give you as much as For drug dealers, yeah. Yeah. ain't a good profession. <laughs> so, and he went, I've got to give you something else. Right? So this is where you get your community service. All right? And he went, I'm going to give you... 14 weeks of probation. I think that's just like... Because I don't like to... I have done community service before. Not the best thing. But... So I ended up getting 14 weeks of probation, which I've never done. (laughs) Right? Never done... Yeah, so they, they, they sent me a letter saying you should be, you've got breached because you haven't done your community service. So I phoned him and said, look, I didn't get community service. He went to the judge, changed his mind. I went, look, mate, not being rude, but you're having a laugh. He can't change his mind, I ain't even there. <laughs> he went, I'll look into it. And they've said, right. He phoned me back, said, you've got um, extra period on your suspended sentence for a longer time. I still don't know what it is today. Never bothered because I knew I wouldn't be doing them things again. Though life was a lot easier doing them things than being a Christian. Yeah. The um, the path is definitely not straight. <laughs> but I've, uh, I've come through that. Um, and it's different things. He's, I was out driving along going to Crawley. And I... Um, misbehaved. I had a bit of road rage. I had a lot of road rage. <laughs> and could quite as easily have jumped out of the motor and been fighting on the M25. It wouldn't have bothered me. And he just sort of... He cuddled me. And went, behave yourself. Alright? But go and play with your mates. As you would a... A child you would do for your son. And... That was it. There was no, no. He weren't horrible. Didn't want to smack me or anything like that. He just loved me, cuddled me, and sent me on my way. And I'm now in, in tears now because of his love for me. Right? And like, think sometimes I don't deserve it. Right? I've um, a friend of mine from the church. Um, she said to me one day that she loves Jesus more than she loved her kids, right? And I could never work that out. And I thought, that doesn't make sense to me. Surely he wants us to love our own children more than him, right? And then I had a delivery, and it was uh, it was to a community center gone up there, and I've read the address wrong, and it was an actual church. So I've walked all around, it's all closed. I thought, I've got to take his parcel back. So I'm getting, going back in the van, a car's pulled into the church, bloke's jumped out, he's wearing a pair of shorts, a string vest, baseball cap, and flip-flops. I went, uh, mate, you ain't anything to do with the church, are you? He went, yeah, I'm the reverend. <laughs> right? So I've got him to give him his parcel, and I said to him, how do you. Love Jesus more than your wife and kids. He went. It's easy for me because it's my job. And then all of a sudden, this thing come across that I knew where the person had said, "As she loves Jesus more." It just yeah. instantly it was just an instant thing. And like sort of, um, I always have doubts about does he really exist before. And I was lying in bed. Closed my eyes and I could see millions and millions of stars and then I felt his presence next to me he didn't say anything to me and I didn't say anything to him we just laid there and I could feel his presence next to me and life just changes and like for for me no one could now ever say they don't exist and, and as a new Christian I've been It'll be four years this year that I've been a Christian. So, as Kelly said to me once, you are a baby in it still, all right? So, it doesn't expect great things of me. The, um, this getting up today, I thought, would be absolutely terrifying <laughs> and wouldn't be able to talk to you. But there's no one here to judge me, to, to be horrible about and go, crawl. what a load of rubbish, these folks. You- <laughs> <laughs> all right. now, now, now I am shy <laughs> all right. and uh, for today now this is that I know that he loves me and I think sometimes that he loves me more than anybody else which you should all think that like. yeah I'm oh, sorry you can't hear me <laughs> but that's that's my life now and as I said, like, being, going back to being a drug dealer would be quite easy. Like, not, no, that's wrong. It wouldn't be easy to go back to it because um, of how he is in me now. But to have an easier life, yes. The um, bundles of money, you don't work that hard. In fact, you don't work at all. The, um, but you can't forget what you know and what he's done for you or what he's done for me and that's why I love coming to church and I love telling people that I am a Christian and if they knew me from before that how I've changed through his help to the person I'm becoming now the um the when you, when you speak to Christians, like I, every day I used to go out and steal a newspaper and a cream egg, right? <laughs> right? But I might have a couple of thousand pounds in my pocket, right? But it was just a sheer devilment of it, of, of stealing a paper and a cream egg, right? He saved me instantly from that, instantly, so, obviously, there's other things he's still working on. <laughs> bit of road rage still appears. <laughs> and my language is terrible. W- wraps around worldly people. I behave worldly, which ain't great. I do pray about it. Not enough, but I do pray about it. And the more you become... The more you go to church, the more you talk to God, the more you behave Christianly, the better you become. Thank you all.
0: Hallelujah. Praise be. So you see how faith comes by hearing and hearing what the word of God does? It's not just about the word of God. It's what the word of God can do. The word of God can change anybody. The word of God has life. It has power. It's Jesus himself wrapped in words that come off of a page and come into our lives. And then they start creating what wasn't there before. And just like um, Tony just said, we start off as a baby. And we've got many new babies here right now. A new baby is not expected to just get up and do what I'm doing. They can't run, they can't walk. They're completely dependent on those that are taking care of them. And we have to be mindful of that as a church. We've got to take care of the babes, nurture them so that they can grow and that they develop properly. Yeah? So I just want to invite Sophia. Give her a round of applause. This is our beautiful Sophia. So she's going to give us our testimony. And I'm going to sit right there, in case you need me. In
3: case you need me. You Thank you Um Thank you. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, so I have been raised in the church um, ever since I was little. But my testimony is going to be from the last 12 months. Um, from actually, it was this week last year that I actually found out I was pregnant. Um, which, as Margaret said earlier, God does have a humour because... Um, I decided at the start of the year that the relationship that I was in was no longer worthwhile for me um, and I really wanted to get back to God and um, so when I then found out I was pregnant, I had a lot of mixture of emotions because I was like, I can't hide a baby and I wanted to um, come back to church and just get back on my path but I was then very conflicted about uh, judgment and stuff. Um, I was judging myself uh, a lot um, Oh, (sighs) yeah, and I was just, I think I was embarrassed as well because even though I was very happy because I always wanted another sibling for Eli, um, it wasn't in the way that I now wanted it to be. So I was kind of like, oh, what are people going to think of me? How can I go back to church when this has now happened? And the old Sophia would have actually hidden away, I think, um, and gone through the whole pregnancy and then come back to church with a baby. (laughs) (laughs) and started again. Um, So, you know, and I did it with my friends even. The only person that I actually spoke to about it was my friend Sarah. Um, I think that's because she was a midwife. (laughs) So i was like, again, I can't hide it from her. Um, But I hid from a lot of my other friends. Um, When I was 10 weeks pregnant, I then couldn't hide it anymore because I had to go for an emergency scan uh, because of an incident that happened with Gabriel's dad. Um, And my friend Priscilla was actually just calling me, calling me for weeks, um, prior to that, and I just kept ignoring her calls, because, um, again, I was too embarrassed to talk to her about it. Um, but on that day, God actually said to me, you know, you can't hide anymore, like, you need to tell people, stop always trying to do everything yourself. People are there for you. Yeah. So I messaged my friend Priscilla, and I was like, hey, this is what's happened, like, I'm pregnant, um, I don't know what to do, and she called me, and she said, I knew you were pregnant. And I was like, Pardon? She said, I knew you was pregnant because your cousin, who I teach, blurted it out in, in the classroom. and that's why I've been trying to get hold of you for the last few weeks? She said, because I knew you would do what you always do and try and hide and try and do it all yourself. And she said, and I prayed for you, Sophia. She said, I was praying and praying because she said, I know how you are. And um, asking, like, you know, what's going to happen? I was asking God, what's going to happen with you? And God actually said to me, I've given her this baby. It's going to be what brings her back to me. Mm-hmm. So, so that gave me a bit of um, peace, and I kind of allowed myself to kind of continue to come to church. I spoke to Kelly about having a mentor to try and help me in my path, which is Margaret. <laughs> um, and yeah, and God has been so faithful to me, and um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, because I do have a lot of self-doubts and stuff about if I'm doing the right thing by Eli and um, Gabriel and stuff. And I had a horrible pregnancy anyway, just because I was sick for the whole nine months, <laughs> which was awful. But also working as well in quite a hard um, job as well. And But even in that, God has been really faithful with me because, um, as you know, Santander is closing 140 branches this year. And one of the branches that they um, are closing and they're closing next week is the branch they wanted me to go back in on, back to. Um, But I actually said last year when I was pregnant, I wanted to be closer to home. I didn't even want to be um, anywhere in central London. I just wanted to be closer to my family, which they said they couldn't necessarily do. Um, So they said to me when when Gabriel was six weeks old that I might be made redundant. So I was like, oh, great, like now I've got this to worry about. And so every week when we do our tithes and offerings, what God's put on my heart is always to just be trusting him with my finances and stuff. Because obviously I'm on maternity pay and I've got a mortgage and everything to (laughs) to do. So that's what I've been always uh, praying about. So that Eli and Gabriel are um, favoured and blessed and that my finances and stuff are... Okay, that I'm gonna make it through, and um, so I then added all my work to it. So, what should I do about work? Should I just leave and just try and look for something else? I don't really know what to do because 140 branches is quite a lot of branches, and there was only really two that um, was in my remit that I could actually do. Um, everything else was like below me, so I was like, oh, okay, I, what, what's going to happen? I'm just going to get made redundant, and that's that's fine. Um, but I actually got then a call. Uh, four weeks ago, from work, where they said that um, they're not making me redundant, they're giving me the only branch that I could actually go to, which is half an hour away in Camberwell. Um, And because they have closed the branch that they did want me in, they're now going to be paying for all my petrol, all my parking, and everything in in Camberwell for the next um, three years. Yeah. And then um, also, I then got a good... Um, bonus in March which then has been able to pay for two and a half months worth of bills and everything yeah. so I haven't had to worry so when I go back to work in June I'm just fine and I haven't had to worry about anything so yeah he has been really uh, faithful to me yeah. um, and a time where I probably would have hidden and just run away from everything he's just stood by me and just helped me That's Amen. It.
0: Amen Amen <laughs> Aren't they wonderful testimonies? And if we had more time, you could get up and give your testimony and it could just add and add and add and add that God God is faithful. I just want to read some scriptures um, about faith. Uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Very common scripture as well. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone that comes to God must believe that God is. That means you've got to believe that he exists and you also have to believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. What you've just heard today and what you can see in your own life is the rewards of God and for some reason so many people don't want to talk about God rewarding people. God is a rewarder, he's a blesser. We tend to think as Christians, we're always giving God praise, giving him our time, giving him prayer, giving him worship. God wants us to be a people that know how to receive. We need to know how to receive. God said, I reward those that diligently seek me. The rewards that come, they could be materialistic, they could be spiritual, they could be emotional. They are rewards, that God is a rewarder. All the testimonies you just heard, all what Sophia just said, that's her reward not because she's doing it for the reward but it comes it comes as a part of being a son and a daughter of God that if that's your motive and that's your aim yeah you've got it twisted but if your aim is to go after God with everything there's rewards God will reward you what you do in secret God rewards you openly if you're a seeker of God behind closed doors God will let that be shown he would he will let you, do. you don't need self-promotion For those of you that are here now, those of you that are going to be listening afterwards, don't ever try and self-promote. Don't ever try and do that because it's usually premature. God knows what he's doing with our lives. So God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But when we come to him, the reason it's impossible is it's impossible to please him when you come to him because you've got to believe that he exists. You've got to believe that he exists. And then, as you believe that he exists... The rewards of your living this journey, like Tony just said, to turn back to sin, it might not be easy, as in your conscience, but we are living as Christians, we go against the grain. You're going against society. You're going against what man will say you should live. And it's not as easy as people think. People think being a Christian, oh, it's easy being a Christian. You know, they're getting out of all of the trouble. We have to stand our ground because we have so much coming against us, so much challenges, But we've already conquered more than conquerors. That's why we can be conquerors, because God has already conquered. That's why we're more than conquerors. We can stand as conquerors because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus because he's already done the hard work. He's already paid with his life. I want to read another scripture in Romans, Romans 4. This is about the father of faith, Abraham. Abraham and Sarah and his journey through... um, through his journey, through uh, getting the promises of God. It says in uh, Romans 4, verse 20, he, Abraham, staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. That's the way you stagger. You stagger through unbelief. When you're staggering, when you're doubting, it's because of unbelief. So Abraham, he staggered not. He didn't stagger um, at the promises of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And then he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able to perform. And that's what we need to do more. What God has promised, God's able to perform. It's not what you promise yourself. It's not what someone else promises you. It's what God's promises in his word are for you. God is a God of his word. What God has promised you, God will be able to be faithful to bring it to pass. The covenant that he's made with us, he made in his blood. It's ratified in his blood. That means that he done it that way because he knew we would mess it up. If it was left down to us, we would mess it up. Yeah, but there's no messing up. You can't mess up the covenant that God's got with you. You come into the kingdom. You're taken out of a kingdom of darkness, put into another kingdom. And the rulership of the king reigns in you. The kingdom of God has come in your life. That means the king is ruling in your life. And when you turn up anywhere, God turns up. When you turn up at your workplace, when you wake up in the morning your children are there or your family is there, you go to school, you go to college, you go to uni, whatever you're doing, if you're there, God is there. His rulership, Jesus' rulership is his kingdom. It's the domain of the king of kings, the king of all kings, the one who was dead but is alive forevermore. That's the one we serve. That's the one we preach. Jesus died and he was raised from the dead. And then he was glorified. That's how it happened: death, resurrection, then glorification. And because he's glorified, we get all the benefits of that. We get the benefits of that, and we we have to just believe. The biggest fight that any Christian is facing on the face of this earth is against their faith. The enemy always targets your faith. That is what the target is on our back. He goes after our faith. He goes after our faith because he knows that that's the economy of heaven: faith, belief and honour is the kingdom um, uh, culture, and it is the kingdom economy. You need faith, you need belief, and you need to honour. You need to honour one another, you need to honour God, and that is the economy um, of, of the kingdom of God. The kingdom in, in this world is, is time and money. Time and money. That's what this kingdom, this world, operates in, time and money. But the kingdom that we live by, because we, we live in two realms at the same time, people. We're here, physically here, I'm physically here, but my spirit man rules and reigns from heaven because I'm seated in heavenly places, and so are you. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So I'm walking on the earth, I'm here now, so are you. You're sitting there, but you should be ruling and reigning from that place you're seated with God spiritually. Jesus was our example. He came, he walked on this earth, and he lived in this flesh. Flesh was wrapped around the glory. And that's the same as what glory is in you. Your flesh is wrapped around that glory. You're a carrier of the glory of God. You contain the glory of God. You contain the resources of God. You are a resource centre for God. That means within you is the apostolic. Within you is the prophetic. Within you is the evangelistic, the teaching, the pastoring. It's within you. Because the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world, present. As he is as Jesus is, everything that Jesus is, so are you, so are you, so am I. As he is, so are we in this world right now. You don't have to have a title to say she's an apostle, he's a prophet, she's an evangelist, she's a teacher. We all know we're called to what? Full-time ministry. We've been through the scriptures together, haven't we? We've seen together, we are all called. There's no elitism here. There's no, oh, this person's because they're on a po- behind a pulpit. You are called of God. For God so loved the world. Not for God so loved the church. God loves the world. And he sends us out into the world. Jesus said, I, he said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to us, you are the light of the world. Did he say you're the light of the church? We've got a lot of lights in here, haven't we? There's some darkness out there that needs the light. Good Friday, when we're going to go over to um, East London and be a part of this 24 hours of worship, And the theme is being the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are not the light of the church. That's one of the things that I will be telling them young people. We are not the light of the church. We are to a degree. You you know what I'm talking about here. But God said, we are the light of the world. It's the world that needs the light that's in us. It's the world that's dark. And as I said earlier, Jesus loves darkness He loves depravity, the sin. He's got a love for it because he knows if if his people will obey him and go into those places, light will come, life will come. Where there's hopelessness, hope will come in an instant, in a moment. The most hopeless of situations that our God can turn around. Look what he's done in your lives. Look what he's done in your lives. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're challenged with, mental health problems that it's just so... It's like some people are just so depressed... So just bogged down with depression. Jesus wants you to know that he is above that depression and he's bringing freedom in every area. And he he, he uses the the medical profession. There's nothing wrong with taking medication. There's nothing wrong with that. Some, the word of faith people would say, oh my God, sacrilege, heresy, what's she talking about? You can't take medication. Some, Some believers believe that. God has given gifts and talents to all walks of life. The medical profession, they're having all of these different um, uh, um, research that they do. And everything that they're coming up with comes by the spirit. It comes by Every good and perfect gift comes from who? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. When I see um, just children walking along with one of their parents, looking at their parents, and there's laughter, that comes from God. I saw um, somebody walking in the park yesterday, and you could see that the love that they had for their dog, that comes from God. Everything that is good, everything that's pure and holy, it comes from God. God bless... Yeah, people that don't really love animals, don't like animals, don't understand that. <laughs> um, but God uses, God uses his world. This is God's world. It's not the devil's world. This is God's world. This is God's creation. We belong to God. We, 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 we get the privilege of being alive today in God's world. Imagine that when you look at that and really realise that. We've got the privilege, we are alive today in your world, Father, thank you. Thank you that we are alive today. Thank you for the privilege of hearing what we hear, knowing what we know, knowing that we can go to a God over any situation and say, Lord, help me. Sometimes that's all your prayer needs to be, those two words, you know. Sometimes that's all you need to do is say, God, help me. God, help me. And you need to say that when you're in sin, when you're not in sin, when you're on the mountains, when you're in the valleys, you need to just say sometimes, God help me. God, sometimes I just sit down. Honestly, I just sit down and I hold my hand and I go, "God help me, just help me." Because God accepts us as we are. We don't have to have a front. We don't have to have a mask. We don't have to pretend to God. We don't have to go to God like we've, uh, we're, we're holy. We don't have to go to God in um, in this charade with this uh, this this face mask of who we think we're supposed to be. God knows who you are. He knew what he was going to get when he got you. There's no surprises. He doesn't scratch his head and think, what am I going to do with this one? This is just too difficult for me. His mercies are new every morning. His blessing and his favour, as we sit here now and talk about his love and his beauty, new... There is a supernatural world, people. There is something else going on outside of the physical things that you can see right now. You are all sitting in a realm of life. When you come to church, that's the reason you get a hunger to come to church, because you walk into this church, and the church is all over the globe, and you're walking into a realm of life, vitality, hope, and you don't even know it. I used to sit at the back of this church, as some of you know, and I used to sit at the back of this church and just think, criticise, Oh, your people, look at them, weird. Oh, just oh, just, just don't, don't don't, let anyone come to me. I don't, I just, I don't want to be, I have nothing to do with ministry no more. But I kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back because I was, didn't even realise I was coming into a realm of life. You know when you're sent from your doctors, you go to your doctors and then you're, you're told you have to go and see a consultant. You go on a waiting list and then you go and see the specialist. When we come to church, we are coming to the specialist every week, People. But it's more than that, when you, because you've got Christ in you, when you're in your homes, when you're in your car, when you're on the bus, the train, the tube, when you're in uni, when you're in school, the specialist is with you. We give God our unbelief and he gives us his belief. It's an exchange. This kingdom is an exchange. We give him our filth, our darkness, and he gives us his life and his light. And we are able, yeah, we have a life full of ashes, Ashes, most of us, when we come to God. We say, look, look at this mess. What can even you do with this mess? And he loves it. He loves it. He takes the ashes of our life. And what does he do? Beauty. He makes beauty out of the ashes that we made. And most of us made them on purpose. We enjoyed the sin. We enjoyed what we was doing. It doesn't say anywhere in the word of God that sin isn't sweet. But it says there's a payday and there's wages. The wages of sin are death. And you have to pay your own wages. (laughs) You get to do all of that, and you've got to give yourself wages. And those wages will end up people turning, turning against God, living away from him for eternity, leaving this earth and going without God. It's not about, oh, hell and damnation and saying, oh, you don't believe in God, you're going to hell. It's about saying there's a God who loves you. Don't make that choice. Don't make that choice to leave this earth, to leave your body without knowing the Saviour. Could you all just stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of our God. Blessed be the name of our God. Wow, Lord, there's much life, much life, much life here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just want to pray over you and bless you. Father, I just thank you for your people. Look at your people, Lord. Look at the great people of God. Look at your great people, Lord, how you love them. How you love them. How you're intimately acquainted with every single one of them, Lord. Your life and their life. It took your very life to know them. It took your very life, Lord God, to set them free. I just want to release blessing on every single one of you. The priestly blessing of God upon you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Let the Lord make his face shine upon you. I pray that the Lord be gracious to you, give you peace and mercy. I pray that your children and your children's children, none of them will die in their sins, that their names will never be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life and neither will yours, neither will those that you pray for, neither those that you fast for and you go after in the kingdom of light and you look to God all the time and God is saying, I am faithful. I am faithful to answer prayers. It is not your job to pray the prayers and then answer the prayers. God is saying, I am faithful. I hear your prayers and I am faithful. Look to the God who answers the prayer. Do not look at the circumstances. That is God's exhortation to you. Whatever you are praying about, whatever seems impossible, the deadness of the things around you, God is saying, look to me. Look to me who can change that situation. Look to me who can flood you with light. Flood that situation with hope. Flood the death of that situation with life. Look to me. That's the call of God on your life right now. That's what God is calling for, to you to look to him. He's calling to you people to say, have faith in me. Have faith in me and God will never let you down. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you, and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week. And God bless.